0: 2 Corinthians chapter number 2 in your Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. We continue our look into the book, working our way through 2 Corinthians. We'll finish the chapter tonight out of uh, chapter number 2 and want us to consider some thoughts that I think are needful this evening. Uh, The title of the message is Finding Rest for Restless Spirit, finding rest for a restless spirit. If you look with me, begin reading in verse number 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord. And he says out of verse 13, I had no rest in my spirit, because I found not Titus my brother, but taking my leave from them, I went from thence into Macedonia. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the Saviour and excuse me, and maketh manifest the Saviour of His knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savour of Christ, in them that are saved, and them that perish. To the one we are the savour of death unto death, and to the other the savour of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God. In the sight of God speak we in Christ. Again, I pull our thought out of verse number 13. I had no rest in my spirit. I don't know about you, but it's easy for us as we just listen to the needs that are around us in the day and time in which we live. It's easy for us to become very uneasy inwardly. Very uneasy inwardly. This day in which we live. Paul mentioned this out of verse number 13. I had no rest in my spirit because I found not Titus my brother. Now we will look, as we look into this book of 2 Corinthians, we'll see many of the difficulties that the Apostle Paul faced as a minister of the gospel. And here in this particular case, he is writing to the church at Corinth, now 2 Corinthians, and he'd already written 1 Corinthians to them. And out of the 1 Corinthians book, you remember when we studied, he dealt with all sorts of issues. Uh, He dealt with Things within the church, he dealt with strife, division, pride, immorality, the wrong use of spiritual gifts, Uh, they were taking the Lord's table and making a mockery out of it. Paul dealt with all sorts of things out of 1 Corinthians. Can I just tell you, as a preacher sometimes, as a pastor, God calls a pastor to deal with some things that it's not always easy to deal with. Uh, and paul is dealing with those things, and it 's very difficult and and Every time a pastor or leader of a church they must deal with these issues, it always pains the pastor it always pain it would have pained the apostle Paul because of the issues that just dealing with these things and confronting people about the wrongs and the rights what 's right what 's wrong, confronting people. Um, you don't always do what men would desire you to do, but it's sometimes you lie down at night and you wonder how the decisions you make, the things you say, the approaches you take, and, the, and what you do or you don't do, how it affects people. And, and, and it, 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 is, it does weary, heavy upon you, you at times. And I dare the, say the Apostle Paul, he had dealt with many issues at Corinth and, at uh, Corinth and And so he had sent Titus to find out how they were responding to this letter. And Paul had left Ephesus and he's now gone to Troas and he was hoping to meet Titus there. Maybe they had a time and a place where they were going to meet. But he was hoping to meet him there. And while he was there, the Lord opened up an effectual door. The Lord opened up an opportunity to preach the gospel. And God was blessing and great things were happening. It seems as though it may have been even at this point in time where the Apostle Paul planted a church there at Troas. But the Bible says that even in the midst of the door that was being opened and the people that were getting saved... The churches that were being planted. He says, I found no rest in my soul. Paul had in his mind the troubles that were at Corinth. And, and was wondering how they, uh, how they uh, were thinking. And what was going on there. And, and so Titus was to bring him news about it. Now imagine he went to bed. Even though great things were happening. He, he peeled his head at night wondering, I wonder what's going on at Corinth. And he had hoped to meet him there. And he was wondering how they had received it. Here you see the heart of a pastor. And that of the Apostle Paul. It's true. Let me just simply say. In the midst of all that was going on. And all the good things that were going on. It is true that the outward experiences can affect our inward stability at times. Discouragement. Disappointment are things that are common to man. we reminded. I think. The Harper reminded us. We're just strangers and pilgrims. Just passing through. In this old world. We have no friends. Uh, say friendship with the world. The world is against God. and And so because we live in a world. That deals with cancers. It deals with blood clots. It deals with pandemics. It deals with. Uh, relationships, there are times when there are discouragements and disappointments. There are times when sorrows and trials, they begin to, it seems, mount up against us. There is that spiritual warfare that we talked about a bit ago that can cause us to become weary, even in well-doing. It might be the physical things that weigh heavy upon us, People can disappoint us. Don't raise your hand. But have you ever been disappointed by somebody? You know, there are many times, and I disappoint myself. That ever happened to you too? I just get dis- I just get disappointed, and sometimes even disgusted with me. I think it was Spurgeon said the worst fellow I have to deal with is that guy in the mirror every day. That looks back at me every day. People can disappoint us, and we can disappoint ourselves, and discouragement can come. I think every one of us could identify with an unrestful spirit at some point in time in our lives. Maybe you're there now. Maybe you've been there. Maybe it will come. But I can see, you know, as we look around, as we look at the events, I really, wow. Just these past two weeks, if you listen to the news cycles and see what's going on. Boys, I saw the, 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 the images coming out of a place called Afghanistan. I tell you, it just gave me an unrestful spirit. Just no rest within my spirit. COVID, you know, this thing, we've talked about it tonight. has made so many sick. That can give us an unrestful spirit. The hero that you are sick. Can give us an unrestful spirit. You hear about Brother Morgan and Brother Richie. So many of our church family tonight. What just gives you an unrestful spirit? You, you know, can you? I think a church we bear one another's burdens, and a church hurts when the members of our church hurt. That's something that's natural. These things can give us that unrestful spirit. When it comes to a restless spirit, there may be several reasons for it. Self can be prone to it. We can be prone to it. That unrestful spirit. You know, I think a pessimistic person, someone who's overly sensitive in the areas of feelings and emotions, we can be prone to this unrestful spirit. Curtis Hudson said, a pessimist is one who blows out the candle to see how dark it is. Sometimes we're just walking around going, Boy, it's awful dark in here. Blow it out more. We're often prone to that restless spirit. And a failure to recognize and to deal with it. The stresses in life can cause it to happen to us. So self can be prone to that unrestful spirit. Satan has a plan for it. Not only is self prone to it, but Satan has a plan for it. You understand Satan is out to get you? Satan is out not for you to have peace in your heart, but he's out to rob you of that joy. Satan has a plan for trouble in your life. Sin never gives rest for the soul. Satan's plan is to have you tossed to and fro with every wave, everything that comes down the pike, that we're just up one down and day the next. Uh, We guilt, Satan can allow guilt and he'll... Remind us of how bad we are, that regret, those things that we've done, we wish we hadn't have done, the things we said, we wish we hadn't have said. Satan will remind us of those things. Self is prone to it. Satan has a plan for it. Society is plagued with it. This thing of a restless spirit. The world has never had more stuff than we have today. But we've never been maybe more miserable than where we are today. We got stuff everywhere. We got stuff. We have so much stuff we rent buildings to store stuff in, we don't know what's in it. We just store stuff away. Then when we pass, someone goes buys our stuff and sells the stuff. We have yard sales to get rid of our stuff. We stuff every pack and corner of our house. Maybe never been as unhappy as with all of our stuff that we have today. Society's plagued with it. According to the CDC, suicide. Suicide, the second leading cause of death in America between ages of 10 and 34 years of age. Suicide. The second leading cause between 10 years of age and 34 years of age. It ranks fourth in and that cause of death between 35 to 44 years of age. And it ranks 10th leading cause of death for all age groups combined. Suicide, according to the CDC in 2019, suicide killed nearly as many people as pneumonia did. The world has no rest. It can offer no rest no permanent rest within. But let me just simply say tonight, God can. God can give that rest. God can give that rest and God does give that rest. Self can be prone to it. Satan can have a plan for it. Society is plagued with it. But God has a prescription for it. God wants to give us rest. and We stiff arm him and we say no to him so often. Paul was a man, we think of the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary, the the Bible, maybe the world ever knew. The Apostle Paul, the great preacher, the great church planter. But you know, he was flesh and bones, just like you and me. He had feelings, he had emotions, he lived life. Maybe not just like we do, but he lived life. I say in the different time frame, but he lived life. He dealt with life just like we deal with life. He was a pastor, again, as a missionary, a church planner. For the Apostle Paul, life was not easy. Not easy. Chapter number 4, and we'll eventually get there, tells us that Paul was... Troubled, He says I was troubled on every side. I was perplexed. I was persecuted. I was delivered unto death for Christ's sake. Eventually Paul met up with Titus. He doesn't mention it here. But we go all the way to chapter number 7. Eventually he met up with him. But. As he was mentioning meeting up with Titus and getting a report at, from Corinth, he says there that our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without, we're fighting, and within, we're fears. Paul understood heartaches, and he understood pains. He understood disappointments. In 2 Corinthians Provides the most intimate look into the life of the Apostle Paul. Maybe more than any other book in the New Testament. In this we see Paul's life. We see his struggles. We see his heartaches. And you know they were so great. And I find in the life of the Apostle Paul help for me. Help for you. Because he he dealt with them. He learned what to do when these things come upon us. Paul did not allow, he did not allow self, Satan, and society to steal his joy. Oh, he could have. He could have said, this is of no value. Boy, I've been walking with Jesus. I've been on these missionary journeys. I've been to Corinth. You know what they're saying about me down there? They're saying I'm no good. I was their pastor, and they i saying I've, I've lied to them. I'm a shenanigan, a charlatan. Paul didn't, he didn't go there. He didn't allow himself to go there. Paul, through Christ, finds a way to turn what could be depressing circumstances into fearful praise. Or excuse me, joyful, cheerful praise. Paul could have been in a pit of despair, but instead he came out of the pit and he found triumph and praise. Paul did not stay in verse number 13. He said, I had no rest in my spirit because I found not Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. It was in Macedonia that Paul eventually met up with Titus. But he didn't stay in verse number 13. Look how quickly he moves from being in a place where there's no rest for his spirit. Down to verse number 14. Now thanks be unto God. Paul did not stay in this place of depression. He did not stay in this pit of despair. But instead he came out. He did not stay in verse number 13 where there's no rest for his spirit. There between these two verses, there's an immediate and abrupt change between what's taking place. There is, out of between verses 13 and 14, there's a change of attitude. There's a change of tone. You can almost hear it. If you just stopped at verse number 13, and we're thinking, oh, Paul, he's in a tough place. But there's a sudden change of attitude, a change of tone. Now, thanks be unto God, he says. There's a change in focus. There's a a change from discouragement to a determination. From disappointment to delight. All in just a few words within a verse. I find this amazing. The change is not, understand, the change is not here. The absence of the difficult circumstances. And sometimes we come to the point in our lives and we say, Boy, if it wasn't this way, I could be much better. Paul's problems didn't go away. They never went away as long as he was following Christ. His problems didn't go away, so it wasn't an absence of the difficult circumstances, but the change is due to the definite hope that he found in Christ. I like what Adrian Rogers said. He said it this way, peace is not found in the subtraction of problems, but peace is found in the addition of the great power in Christ to meet them. It's not the subtraction of all the problems, but the addition of the power of God to meet every need in every situation and circumstance in our lives. So often we just settle with the one. We never look to the other. Paul had found the prescription for a restless spirit, the right prescription provides a definite cure. Question, have you ever taken some medicine that was supposed to cure you but made you sicker? (laughs) The thing that they give you to cure you is the thing that will kill you, huh? You're supposed to get better from your illnesses. In order to get better from your illnesses, it requires the right prescription, and Paul has it here. I'm going to give you four of them. If there were four pills that you could take, here are four very quickly. He makes an abrupt change from 13 to 14. We've already mentioned it. We first of all find this is how it happened. This is how he came out of the pit of despair and the restless spirit. How did he deal with it? First of all, there's a sincere thankfulness unto God. Now thanks be unto God, he says right in the very first phrase there. A sincere thankfulness unto God. The cure for Paul's discouragement was a thankful heart. Paul didn't look to his circumstances for his comfort or for his joy. He didn't look to his difficulties or the absence of them for his encouragement. What did he do? He focused his attention upon God. Look at chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Reminds you what he said in the introduction of the second letter. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He could have just stayed where he was. He said, I'm not going to stay there. He began to praise God. His troubles were not over, but he discovered a way for him to be over his troubles. You know what? It works. It works. We sing so often, count you many blessings, name them one by one. It'll surprise you what God's done. We don't count our blessings so often. So often we count our troubles. That's what we major on a sincere thankfulness. We tend to multiply our difficulties rather than counting our blessings. We just mull them over and over again. We just go back through all the things, just making list after list of how bad things are. Rather than a sincere thankfulness to the God of heaven that's done so much for us. You know, If you can't find something to be thankful for, just just take a shot in the dark. Just shoot at something. Thank you for that last breath. You'll not mess up by thanking God. You can't go wrong by finding something to thank God for. He's the God of all comfort. All good things cometh down from the Father of lights. He does all things well. Paul did not deny the problems... Now I'm not saying he, he just acted like they weren't there. He did not deny the problems. He actually mentions them. He did not deny the trials. These things existed. But he refused to allow these things to control his life. He changed his focus upon the Lord. Psalm 26 and 7. That I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Psalm 104, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Oh, Jonah, you remember Jonah? He's the fellow that got swallowed up. I think it's quite interesting. I, I don't know where I just seem like I heard it just recently. Scientists would tend to think and believe that, of course, he being in that part of the world and his skin color would have been. Uh, somewhat darkened and he got swallowed by that well and the acids and so on that were in that well, the body acids that would normally take care of the food, that while he was in that well for three days and three nights, these body acids of that well started to eat on him and he came out bleached. From then on he was a bleached. Blonde, maybe, I don't know. If he had any hair at all. You wonder why when he got into... Nineveh, everybody came to look at him and hear him. Maybe that was one of the reasons. But while he was in the belly of that whale, while he was in the belly, has anybody been in the belly of a whale? While he was being bleached inside the belly of a whale, he says, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. Boy he found something to be thankful for. In the hardest of places. Philippians 4 and 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. You know what I think we simply need to train our mind and train our flesh. To have an attitude of gratitude. You know if we are complainers our children will be complainers. If they hear us complaining about all the time, that's exactly what they'll do. Let me say this. I'll just go as far as says, Mom and dad, don't let your children complain. Just don't let them do it. Just don't let your children be complainers. You know where they learn complaining from us? We ought not do it. We ought to set that example for them. We need to train our hearts and train our flesh for an attitude of gratitude. A defeated Christian is a Christian who has stopped being thankful to God and is a bad advertisement for the gospel. A defeated Christian is a bad advertisement for the gospel. And we've stopped thanking God to walk around with our heads down, navel gazing. It's always bad. It's worse than it can ever be. It's a bad advertisement for the gospel. Who wants to be one? If that's what it is. We've stopped being thankful to God. Let's change it. Someone said, you may be able to do, uh, excuse me, you may not be able to do anything about where you are, but you can do something about how you are. I think that's good. You may not be able to change your circumstances, where you are, but you can do something about how you are, how you're facing it. You cannot tailor-make the situation, but you can tailor-make your attitude to fit the situation. How did he find help for a restless spirit? First of all, it was a sincere thankfulness. Secondly, very quickly, notice with me, we see a sure victory. Out of verse number 14. Now thanks be unto God. Which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. Do you understand that we're more than conquerors? How often do we forget that? There's a sure victory. Notice the word please mark in your Bible. The word always. Always. Causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Listen, we as Christians are not still waiting for the jury to come in on the decision whether or not Christ wins. He's already won. He came up out of the grave. He defeated death, Satan, hell. He's victorious already, He's seated in the heavenlies. We're not still having to wonder. If at the end of all of it that Christ is going to come out on top. He's already there. He's already won the victory. And if God be for us, who or what can be against us? The Christian is not destined to defeat. But we are destined to victory. As a child of God, we have so much ahead of us. So much in store for us. I, I just love. You can't talk about this without looking at Romans chapter 8 verses 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written for thy sake are we killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Christian... Understand, we are not only conquerors in Christ. We have a sure victory in Christ. But we're joint heirs with Christ. That makes it even so much wonderful. He says out of chapter 8 in Romans, verses 17 and 18. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. With Christ, if so be that we suffer with him we may also be glorified uh, together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Wow, it's amazing. There's a sure victory in Christ. Number three, not only do we see a sincere thankfulness and a sure victory, but number three, we see a manifested Savior. Out of verse number four. 14, the latter part, again, he says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savior of his knowledge, the savor of his knowledge, rather, by us in every place. There's a manifested savor. This is in Jesus Christ. We have in Christ everything that we need. 1 John 4 and 9. And this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world. That we might live through him. We can have a personal relationship with Christ. Through prayer. Through his word. We have the church. God's given us the church. For encouragement. For equipping. To build us up in the faith. Christ has manifested himself to us. Through his word. We have a sincere thankfulness. A sure victory. A manifested savor. And then lastly a surrendered servant. A surrendered servant. He says this savor. Of his knowledge. And he says by us in every place. Here we see a. Surrendered servant. For we are unto God a sweet savor. Of Christ. In them that are saved. In them that perish. To the one, we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other, the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these sayings? Here we see a surrendered servant. Paul overcame a restless spirit by serving others. He said, "We were that savor, something that's sweet, something that's wonderful. We made are able to make known the power of God." through us and by us in every place. Paul kept busy by ministering to others in every place. How do I overcome this restless spirit? Get busy in ministry. Find a place to serve God. Don't sit it out. Get involved. Minister to someone else. The greatest joy you'll ever have is being a blessing and ministering Pouring your heart into somebody else. He kept busy ministering to others in every place. Not only did he keep busy ministering to others, but in so doing, he pleased God. Verse number 15, for we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. Boy, don't you want it to be said that you please God? Don't you want to hear that from the Lord? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. In ministering to others. We please God. Verse number 16. He gave the gospel. And some received it. Some rejected it. But he still yet pleased God. Paul was not in control of the outcome. Of those receiving. Those who reject. He was just simply privileged to carry the seed. For Jesus. Just ministering. Just throwing out seed. Just telling everybody about Jesus. Some will receive it, some will reject it. Finding rest for a restless spirit. Paul did. You know what? We can too. There's no reason for us to be a bad advertisement for the gospel, no reason for us not to be thankful. No reason for us to not to grab a hold of that sure victory. Christ causes us to triumph in everything. To hear someone say, I'm thankful for COVID because it saved my wife's life. God can do anything, and He does everything. There's a sure victory in Christ. We can have a personal relationship with Christ. We can have that surrendered servanthood like Christ. And we don't have to be caught up in the doldrums of this old world. Remember, we can be prone to it. Satan has a plan for it and society is plagued with it. But we got a prescription for it. Amen? It's the Word of God. It's Christ. Praise God for a wonderful, wonderful Savior. Let's rest in him tonight. Let's bow our hearts in prayer.